Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate Jerry and the way he leads these meetings, don't you? Thank you, Jerry. Thank God. Well, it's a new season, everybody. Come on. We've waited a while. (laughs) But it's a new season. And uh, Jenny and I were at a wedding yesterday, so we didn't see much of the coronation. Neither were we invited, but we had a nice time with Megan. You know, she was at a loose end, you know what I mean? And, um, but God bless King Charles III. God bless, whatever you think of the institution, God bless him. May the Lord bless him. And uh, we're grateful for him. But we're grateful for he who is the king of kings. King Charles sat on a throne. Our king hung on a cross. King Charles received the, is is it the King Edward crown? Anyway, a very expensive crown. Our king had the crown of thorns. King Charles was adorned with all those wonderful robes. They look heavy. All those wonderful robes. Our king was adorned with wounds. On his side, his hand, his back, for, for, for the saving of many lives. And uh, yeah, we thank God. Turn, to, turn in your Bible, please, to Matthew. Uh, did I say Matthew? Acts. The guy's on the sound desk going, ah. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, please. And uh, I want to preach a message to you this morning for a short time. I'm aware I can go longer because it's a bank holiday and none of you are doing anything tomorrow. (laughs) How many of you are working tomorrow? Me too. (laughs) Acts chapter 28. And uh, the title of my message this morning is The Islanders. And I hope there'll be a level of uh, a sense of the word of the Lord coming into the house today in this new season. Uh, the guys who are running the desk will know that this message was changed. Uh, it wasn't the original one. I believe this is what I think God might want me to say today. Acts 28 verse 1. All those there say I. Okay, I'm reading from the NIV. You may have something slightly different. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. All right, let's have a previously on Acts. Previously on Acts, Paul and his traveling companions, including Luke, were in a shipwreck. It nearly killed them. They hung onto planks and oh, they, th- they threw off the anchors. They thought they were going to run aground. It was, it was the people lost hope for their very lives. And, uh, and then they were safely on shore after this terrible shipwreck. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Thankfully, they didn't need European passports or anything like that. 
Verse 2, the islanders. That's what my message is called today. The islanders. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. Isn't that nice? Unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all. They welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper, snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, (laughs) they said to each other, so they didn't just nip him, it, it, it held on, right? He's there doing this. This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. They're not that kind, are they? (laughs) This must be some strange use of the word kindness that we'd not previously been aware of. The people thought he was going to die. He'd been bitten by this deadly snake. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Anyway, verse 7, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. Today, if you go to Malta, this is probably the city of Emdina. Been there a couple of times. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, look at this, the rest of the sick on the island, not not next door, but on the whole island, came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months... We put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. All right. I want to take a few moments to talk you through a few of the things that happen in this story. And then we're going to pray together. And uh, this is a historical account written by a first century historian called Luke. He's the same person who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he's there in the story you you hear of the word we. It's there in verse 1. He was with them throughout this whole thing. So the, he was he's writing of his own experience. He, this, he saw all this for himself. But... As with all these wonderful accounts in the Bible, 
There are things for us to learn. And at the beginning of this new season in the life of this extraordinary church, and it is an extraordinary church, um, I thought it would be good just to look at some of the principles of the gospel and Christian community that we read of here. So how many have I got? Four of these. Number one, so simple, it was a place of unusual kindness. The islanders showed us, first two, unusual kindness. Wouldn't that be great if that was said of this church? Wouldn't that be great? Now, it should be said of all Christians everywhere. Not just kind, but unusually kind. Unusually kind. I wonder what that means. I, just looking at the text, it, it actually says, you might even have it in your version, that the people were barbarians. I don't know if you had that in your version. All, it, all that is, is that's the Greek word for people who can't speak Greek. So how many of you here can't speak Greek? You barbarians. It's also the origin of the name Barbara, but just in case there's any Barbaras here, we, let's not develop that. So these people could not speak their language. We had this yesterday. Jane and I were at a wedding with some folks who are not of the UK. And it's tricky when they don't speak any English at all. You roughly run out of hand signals after a few minutes. Don't you? you know, we learn this. <laughs> uh, but um, so they couldn't speak each other's language. And here's something really interesting. Just, it's a clever play on words that Luke does. He says, they were unusually kind to us. And the reason why that's clever is because when you are kind, you treat someone as though they are the same kind as you. That's the origin of that. To be kind, if I'm kind to you, it means that although you are different to me, I treat you as though you are not. I treat you as though you are the same kind as me. And when I think about this, here are these guys, they, <coughs> they thought they were going to die. So, so back in chapter 27, it's hard to read chapter 27 without feeling like there's water coming into your house as you're reading it. Because Luke's there, he gives you every detail about how he thought he was going to perish along with all of the other guys, maybe. And here they are, I want you to imagine this. I often picture this at night as they run onto the beach. This terrible, the ship's been utterly wrecked. They've come from a shipwreck. And they meet barbarians. But instead of being hostile to them, they love them. (coughs) They look after them. They built a fire for them. So I want to encourage, as we move forward, and as you move forward into the future... There are so many things that as a local church, 
we just cannot do. So many things. There are so many things we haven't got money for. There are so many things that outside of God acting in some miraculous way, we're not able, we're not able to do. But this country is in a shipwreck. And there are people, even in the great city of Cambridge, as you well know, in this affluent, well-to-do, academic place, you know full well there are people who are currently going through depression and divorce and addiction and poverty. There's the town and then there's the gown, right? And, and uh, by the way, even if you wear a gown, you could well be going through addiction and depression and sickness. The country is shipwrecked. And there are people coming. They are heading towards this island. I want you to think this morning of this church as an island. And there's so many things that we can't do. But here's something we can always do all the time. We can be unusually kind. Because that's a choice that we can make. In some of the big meetings I did abroad, I would pray for hundreds and hundreds of people who came with various physical problems. And, I, and God healed so many of them. I, I did, did extraordinary times in my life. But every time I met a new person, every single time, I knew that I really couldn't meet their need. Only God could do miracles, right? Only God can do miracles. Only God can save people. Only God can deliver people. Only God can physically cure people. So what can I do? I know what I can do. I can be kind to people. And there are people coming. And when they arrive, they have come from shipwrecks. They are in shipwrecks. Like on the island, it was raining and it was cold. What they must find in this church, and in every church, but I'm preaching here now, right? What they must find in this church, alongside the fabulous worship, the tremendous preaching, particularly today. (laughs) It's a joke. I didn't meet Megan either. I'm seeing her later. When people come to this church, of course they can, of course they can, they'll, they'll find the presence of God. Of course, they'll find a, they'll, they'll find a cup of coffee downstairs. But, but, but what they must find is kindness. I want you to make up your mind to be kind. I wanted you to make up your mind to be kinder than maybe you've ever been before. And who were they kind to? Everyone look this way. Who were they kind to? Strangers. Strangers. I know what it's like to be in a church and you get comfy with a certain group of people that you know. You're a bit insecure. Maybe you're a bit introvert. You could be extrovert and shy. And, and, or, or you could be tired. 
But I want to release you today. I want to remind you today that there are people coming. They're going to come through the doors. Some of them are here today. And the one thing that would be great if they could be impacted by is this, that we were unusually kind. Maybe they didn't understand it all. Maybe they don't believe it all. Maybe it wasn't their thing. Maybe it was too long or too short. But what they mustn't do is leave because it wasn't very kind. And these were people who couldn't speak their language. And I know there are people coming here who are going to talk differently to you. Let's hope so, huh? Let's hope so. Let's hope that people come here who don't talk like us. Let's hope so. Let's hope we don't just put on a better Christian show and attract other people from Christian shows to come. Let's hope we win people for the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. People who don't speak our language. Yeah. The second thing that happened was they built a fire. Glory to God. They built a fire. What they needed right in that moment as they came onto that beach, not looking their best, they needed fire. Churches need kindness and they must have fire. Can you say amen? They must have fire. We can't generate fire through special effects. I had a friend, he came back from a conference this week where the smoke machine was just blowing in his face. I think he's taken up cigarettes. I noticed there was no smoke machine at the coronation yesterday. I'll tell you why. Because it's a serious event. It's not Les Miserables. It's a serious event. This is not a disco church. This is not Saturday night fever. Or Sunday night. Or Sunday morning fever. I'm tempted to do the move, but we don't have a wide angle camera. Pentecostal church must be a Pentecostal church. And it must have fire in it. And fire works. (laughs) I've told you my story a few times how I went to watch the fireworks at New Year just a few weeks ago. And how I just stood there looking at trees with light sort of like behind them. Wondering why I didn't watch this on the TV. Thousands of pounds, and I'm just looking at a tree with little green lights behind it. <laughs> I walked away going, that was amazing. What a lovely tree. <laughs> Fireworks. But fire does work. Fire works. And I want you to notice this. When the people came, there was already a fire in the house. We're not supposed to have fire already here. We're supposed to bring it with us. Right. We, I mean, we've got to get this, haven't we? That we bring fire with us. That when we gather together, we are firebrands together. We have lit our flame at home. And here we are. There's one little part of the coronation I did see. 
on my iPlayer late last night in my hotel before I ran out of internet. Where they take Charles and they take him behind the screen, right? Did you see that? I thought, how wonderful. Because where do you get your anointing? You have to get it. You have to get it in private. You have to get the flame of God in the secret place. I mean, God does touch people in a, in a, in a public place. It's going to happen here today. But the secret of a man's flame, it's not what happens in public. It's what happens in private. So I love that part of the correlation. The anointing came upon him where nobody could see. And that's going to be true for you and it's going to be true for us. They arrive and they pick up sticks. Everyone is involved in building the fire. Now notice this, when they arrive, the fire is already built. But Paul and his companions, they start collecting sticks to help. There are people who are coming to this church in the future. They're bringing sticks with them for the fire. But it's not for them to come and build it. We must build it. It must already be here. And the third thing I notice in the story is this. As Paul begins to serve, as he begins to serve, I put it somewhere like this, servants attract serpents. Servants will attract serpents. That snake bit him because he was serving. If Paul had been lying there on the beach, letting everyone else do it. Well, I'm Paul, you know. Can you imagine him lying there? I wrote Romans, you know. It's going to be a smash hit in the future. Be translated into languages all over the world, you know. Someone shouts back, did you write Hebrews? I'm not telling you. sort of a Christian joke. But Paul realizes, hey, I need to help. I need to help. This is a new season, but it's going to require all of us to go get the sticks. Right? By all means, enjoy the warmth. Sometimes Christian ministry reminds me of the guy at the barbecue. There's one guy doing the barbecue, and there's another guy standing next to him. (laughs) Helping. He's helping. Yeah, 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 they look good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I were you, I'd uh, turn those over now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, I say they're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and when you get the tongs and you look for his DNA, his DNA is not on the tongs. He went nowhere near the bar. He just stood there. Yeah, I would, I would do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Invaluable help. <laughs> but a lot of people in church are a bit like that. Well, they just, they just do the same. Yeah, if I were you, I would do, I'd do this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you do this? Get your hands on the tongs. Not literally. Please, I don't want Pastor Julian ringing me in the week. Last, this week they all showed up with tongs. <laughs> Everyone helped to build the fire. But those who helped to build the fire found themselves being attacked. 
Don't be surprised by that. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if when you do something for God, people want to criticize you. It blows my mind how it happens, but it does. People serving God are often criticized by people in the church because they're serving God. How dumb can you get and still breathe? But it happens. And so they were there gathering. But here's something absolutely amazing. And I want this to be a, want this to be a blessing to you. He threw the snake off, didn't he? He threw the snake off. And there's a reason why he threw the snake off. That perhaps is not obvious. But we find it in Acts 27. There's a verse that might appear. In Acts 27, while he's on the boat, the Lord appears to him, sends his angel, and says to him, Paul, you will stand before Caesar. So when Paul, a few hours later, is bitten by a snake, he's not just a super cool Christian who believes in faith or something. That's not why he shakes off the serpent. Or not primarily. The main reason why he shakes it off is because God's spoken to him and he's got a future that doesn't involve him dying. And do you know why we need to shake off when we're attacked? Shake off offenses? Shake off difficulties? Because we've got a future to reach. That's why. We've got a Rome to get to. There's a Caesar to stand before. The Spirit of God has got a call for you to go and do things. That's why you can't be taken out by snipers. That's why you can't be taken out by the bite of a snake. Because there's a plan and a a purpose for you. That's why you can't just throw in the towel when someone bites you. And then there's something else. Have a look in your Bible. Where did the snake bite him? Have a look. Somebody tell me. Where did it bite him? On his hand. He was bitten on his hand. And I, I showed you how it was hanging there. <laughs> you know. A whole load of them looking in amazement. One or two filming it for Instagram. God, I'm going to make a fortune out of this. But it bit him on his hand. And then here's something amazing that I think is just worth noting. When's the next time we hear about the hands of Paul? The next time we hear about the hands of Paul is when he is in perhaps the city of Emdina and he lays his hands upon the sick and they're healed. The very thing that was bitten is now being used to heal. And there is no doubt in my mind that as Paul put his hands on that, that man who had that 
water infection, whatever he had, the dysentery. I believe scholars think that it was bad milk that affected that uh, on that island at, at that time. So he'd had, he'd had some, he'd had some out of date milk that he shouldn't have had. Lesson, don't have out of date milk. Or as Jane says, unless you've sniffed it, and it's okay. <laughs> How many times Jane put some milk in my cup? Oh, well, but it, it went out of date in 1975. No, no, it seems all right. <laughs> it's like poison. By the way, I never thought, do you ever think about this? If poison is out of date, does that make it more poisonous? <laughs> or less? You can ask the pastor about that. (laughs) No, the very thing that was bitten now becomes a source of healing. By his stripes, ye were healed. It's the same principle. The very thing that was struck becomes the source of healing for others. And if God has wounded you, It's because he wants to turn you into a a source of healing for others. Hallelujah. Just stretch out your hands like this for me. The very thing that the devil has hit, you see, the very thing will be used to heal the sick. Hallelujah. And then finally, number four. Everyone left fully equipped. There's a little tiny bit of text right at the end. Everyone came and got healed. Then verse 10. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, We put out to sea in a ship, look at verse 11, that had wintered in the island. Just a cotton-picking moment. What, you mean that the ship that was going to get them off the island was already on the island? (laughs) That when the storm hit that original ship in Acts 27, that God already had an Uber, a taxi, Waiting for them to take them to their next destination? Yes. It was already there. And without giving you a whole geography lesson, in fact, the shipwreck took Paul nearer to Rome rather than further away. But here's what I love. They left with everything that they needed. So four things I want to say about this wonderful church. Number one, as we move forward, let it be a place of unusual kindness. I've sat with many people and thought, I don't know, I've not got wisdom to help them. And many of the pastoral team will will have had experiences like that. I think, uh, I'm just moved by the real life stories of people. I know we all look pretty good on a Sunday. But I know that most of us have a bit of a shipwreck going on 
somewhere in our lives. So I've had times where I've thought, I don't know what I can really say or do. And sometimes I've prayed and felt that I didn't really even have faith, but I know, that what, I know what I can do. I can be kind. I can be kind. I want you to say this. I will be kind. I will treat people not like me as if they are one of my kind. Yeah. And let that start today. And then, number two, it was a place of fire. It was a place of fire. The anointing of the Holy Spirit that's been in here over all these years. The things that have happened. And on this special occasion today, I must utter, and in his voice, <laughs> the words of Pastor Ralph Inskip, that the glory of the latter house shall be greater than that of the former. May the glory of this latter house be greater in the future than it's ever been. Here today, remembering the work of men of God who served here. Fred Smith, who established this church so long ago. I paid tribute today. All these men are now with the Lord, but it's right that we speak their names today. Ralph Inskip, for decades, with, with no pay, served this Street, served this church, bought this building. Bought this building <laughs> for about 15 pounds or something, you know, back in, back in 1972. Yeah. Wonderful work that Glenn Balfour did. And, and the wonderful era of miracles and prophecy under Philip Shaw. Who served so well here. Served so well. And even I popped in occasionally too. I remember the days when I would always get a parking space here. Because I opened the gate. (laughs) It's easy to get a parking space when you open the gate and get in. But today, we move into a new time. A man with his own fire. A man and his wife. Who have got their fire, like Charles, behind the scenes. Who want to encourage you to bring your fire. A couple who've been bitten, I know. But the Lord will turn those bites into a source of healing. And then that fourth one, as they left... They left fully equipped. That's the job of the ministry. It's not really to do the ministry, but it's to release others to do the work of the ministry. And we need to release evangelists and pastors and teachers and prophets and apostles into this nation from this very room. That they will set sail out of here. Some will go, yes, like these, across the sea to other places. But they should leave here with everything they need. 
everything they need. Let this be a great mission-sending church. Not original to me, but let this church not really be known for its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. Let it be that we're able to send people all over the place, but also into the workplace Monday morning with the gospel, with the fire, with the word of God. They furnished us with everything we needed. I trust you will be unusually kind. You can start today by being unusually kind to your new pastors. If you bite them, you're a snake. (laughs) Not much of an amen there, but it's true. But let's gather fire. Let's gather fire. As we await the day when many will set sail. Either to go into their workplace tomorrow. Or even across the sea. For the glory of God. Come on, let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.